ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد Tonight then, insha'Allah ta'ala, we begin with this new series of lessons which are going to be covering the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. That is going to be the topic of the lessons for the next 10 lessons or 12 lessons to finish this small book. The topic is going to be the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah, all of the different points of belief. A Muslim has to believe in certain things, in different areas. In each of those different areas, we're going to discuss what the correct belief is supposed to be. So for example, regarding the decree, what is the correct belief of a Muslim regarding the decree? For example, the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, what is the correct belief that a Muslim should have regarding the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, regarding Iman, regarding the names and attributes of Allah, regarding the Qur'an, Regarding a lot of different points, we're going to discuss on each point what the correct aqidah, the correct belief of a Muslim should be on all of those different points. That is what this particular book is or this poem. It is actually a poem written by Abu Bakr or his kunya was Abu Bakr. Ibn Abi Dawood, Abdullah, Ibn Abi Dawood, the famous book that you've heard of, Sunan Abi Dawood, his son, Abdullah, Kunya Abu Bakr. He wrote this poem which explains all of those points we were talking about and what the correct belief should be about all of those points. He wrote a poem about it. And the scholars, they used to do this quite often. And the reason being because poems are easier to remember. They are easier to learn, easier to memorize, easier to remember. And so the scholars, sometimes instead of writing big books, they would write poems where they summarized all of the main points into that poem. So that's what we have here, a poem of Abu Bakr Abdullah ibn Abi Dawood. And in this poem known as the Ha'iyah, because the last line always ends with a Ha. The last word on every line always ends with a Ha, the letter Ha. So it's known as the Ha'iyah. So at the beginning of this poem, then what does he say? 
at the beginning of the poem, he mentions the importance of knowing where to gain your knowledge from. So the very first line in the poem, he says, Tamasak bihablillahi wattabi'il huda wa la taku bid'iyan la'allaka tuflihu wadim bi kitabillahi wa sunanillati atat ar rasulillah tanju wa tarbahu He says, stick to the rope of Allah and follow the guidance and do not be an innovator so that you may be successful. Stick to the rope of Allah and follow the guidance and don't be an innovator so that you can be successful and make your religion from the book of Allah and the sunnas which have come to us from the messenger of Allah so that you can be successful and you can profit. What he is telling us in these first two lines, the key point to remember is where we take our knowledge from. Because all this poem, he's going to be telling us about the different parts of Aqeedah, the different points of Aqeedah and he's going to be mentioning what the correct belief is supposed to be but where has he got all of that information from? Where has he got the information about what our correct belief is supposed to be? What the correct Aqeedah on each point is supposed to be? Where has he got all the information from? How has he found out? what the correct belief is supposed to be. How has he managed to write this poem? So where has he got the information from? From the two main sources of knowledge. The two main sources of knowledge, the two revelations, the Qur'an and the Sunnah. That's what he is highlighting to you at the beginning of the poem. That all of this poem it is going to be built upon this basis. The basis of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Not the basis of any innovation. So he's trying to highlight to you from the very start. Everything I say in the poem, it is going to be based upon and taken from the information that is in the Qur'an and is in the Sunnah. So he is setting the foundations for the poem. He is giving you the principles for the poem by telling you, cling to the rope of Allah. Tamassak bihablillah. That is, as many of the Salaf said, the Qur'an. The rope of Allah is the Qur'an. And some of the Salaf, they said, it is the Sunnah. And some of them said, it is Al-Islam. And all of those mean the same thing. It is the guidance that has come to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So in this case, tamassak bihablillah. Cling on to the rope of Allah, meaning to the Quran. Make sure all of the information you get about your religion is from the Quran. And wattabi'il huda, follow the guidance. And then in the second line about the book of Allah, again, and this time specifically mentioning also and the sunnas which have come to us from the messenger of Allah. Those are the two sources of knowledge, the Quran and the sunnah. Of course, all of that upon the understanding of the salaf of this ummah. Because imagine now, you have an ayah in the Qur'an, or you have a hadith in the sunnah, and you're trying to understand what this ayah means, or what this hadith means, then how would you work out what it means? Who could you check from? Where we check from is the salaf. What did the Salaf understand about this ayah? What did the Salaf understand and how did they practice this hadith? By examining the understanding and the practice of the Salaf, we understand what this ayah means and what this hadith means. Whereas people who become misguided and they don't understand Islam properly, it is because they try to understand parts of the Qur'an and parts of the Sunnah with their own intellects. They try to work it out what they think it's supposed to mean. And if you start doing that, everybody starts working out what they think the Qur'an is supposed to mean and what they think this hadith is supposed to mean without checking what the Salaf thought. And remember the Salaf, they were the companions and their students and students, those who learnt directly from the Prophet ﷺ. Who is going to have a better understanding of the Qur'an and the Sunnah? The students who learnt directly from the Prophet ﷺ or people who came a thousand years later? Who's going to have more understanding and knowledge? Who? The ones who studied directly from the Prophet ﷺ. They are the Salaf. The ones who studied directly from the Messenger, the companions. Then their students, then their students. So we take all of our knowledge from the source of the Qur'an and the source of the Sunnah. The Hadith like Al-Bukhari and Muslim and all these books of Hadith. And we take that knowledge upon the understanding of the Salaf of this Ummah. Not upon my understanding or your understanding or that Imam's understanding. The understanding of the Salaf. And that's what gives you the correct understanding then. The reason why people don't get the correct understanding of something and they don't understand Islam properly is because they are not going back to the understanding of the Salaf 
on the Quran and the Sunnah. So look at those first two lines carefully again. He says, Tamasak bihablillahi wa tabi'il huda. Cling on to the rope of Allah and follow the guidance. Wala taku bid'iyan la'allaka tuflihu. So he tells you, stick to the Quran and the Sunnah, which is exactly what the Prophet ﷺ commanded us to do when he mentioned, تَرَكْتُ فِيكُمْ شَيْئَيْنَ مَا إِن تَمَسَّكْتُمْ بِهِمَا مِنْ بَعْدِ لَنْ تَضِلُّ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَسُنَّتِي أو كما قال in the hadith when the Prophet ﷺ said, I have left two things for you. As long as you stick to them, you will not become misguided. You will not go astray. You will remain upon the correct pathway as a proper Muslim as you should be. What are those two things the Prophet ﷺ left behind for us? The Quran and the Sunnah. Then, when he says, La taku bid'iyan, do not be an innovator. An innovator is somebody who tries to make up some new worship that isn't evidenced like that in the Quran or the Sunnah. If you make up something new, it's not from the religion, it is not established in the Quran and the Sunnah, then that will be deemed as an innovation in the religion. Something that you make up, claiming that it will give you closeness to Allah. And it is not something in the Quran or the Sunnah, or it is not something established in the Sharia in the way that you claim, then it is a bid'ah. And the Prophet ﷺ told us in the hadith of Aisha, مَنْ أَحْدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ فَهُوَ رَدٌ The Prophet ﷺ said, Whoever innovates into our religion something that is not from it, meaning he makes something new up himself, then it will be rejected. It will then be rejected. If a Muslim makes up some new worship, thinks of it himself, how to do it, and it's not in the Quran, it's not in the Hadith, it's not something proven in the religion of Islam, then this action that he has made up claiming it is worship, it will not be accepted. And there are many actions that people do which come under this category. For example, celebrating the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ. Celebrating the birthday is not something proven in the Qur'an. It is not something proven in the Sunnah. It is not something that the companions, the Salaf, the students of the Prophet ﷺ ever did. Or anybody else for centuries after that too. So this would now be deemed and considered a bid'ah an innovation, something people have made up claiming it will get you closer to Allah and get you reward, but actually it will not even be accepted. It is an innovation. And there are many other things people do like that, 
they make up things. They say, for example, on the 15th, on the 15th of this month or that month, different months in the year, they say if you stay up on that night and you pray 200 prayers, 200 raka'at, and do dua for this many hours, and then you'll get everything, and you'll get all the reward, and you'll get this, and you'll get that. But does it tell you in the Quran anywhere to stay up on this particular night and pray this particular number of prayers and to say this dua a particular number of times? It does not. So that is deemed a bid'ah if somebody makes, it, makes this up and says on this day, on that night, do this and do that. And the Quran and the Sunnah doesn't tell you anything about that night or about that particular day. That is bid'ah. When people make up their own things which are not proven in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And this is what <coughs> has caused so much difference between the Muslims. Why is it that people have different ways of doing things? Because many of the Muslims, they misunderstand how to learn their religion. They aren't learning it purely from the Quran and the Sunnah with the understanding of the Salaf of this Ummah, the students of the Prophet and their students and students. And so as a consequence, what happens? They end up in Bid'ah, doing innovation, making up new things which they think is a Sunnah, but in reality it is not. So from the very beginning of the poem, he wants to make sure that everybody understands that you need to be very firm upon seeking knowledge from the correct sources of knowledge, which is that Qur'an and that Sunnah. Allah told us in the Qur'an, Cling on to the rope of Allah, all of you together. Cling on to the rope of Allah, all of you together. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna Allah yarda lakum thalatha. That Allah is pleased for you with three things. Allah is pleased for you to do three things. An ta'abuduhu wa la tushriku bihi shay'a. That you worship him alone upon tawheed. And do not associate any partners with him. That's one. And that you cling on to the rope of Allah. All of you together. And you do not separate and split away. That's two. And that you advise those whom Allah has placed in authority over you. So in that hadith, one of the clear points that are mentioned, which are beloved to Allah for us to do, is that we all cling on and stick to the sunnah. How is a person going to stick to the sunnah? How can you do that? There's only one way. You have to learn the sunnah. You have to learn the hadith, Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, and Nasa'i, Ibn Majah, all those books of hadith. You have to start learning them, you have to start reading them. You have to start gaining knowledge of what the sunnah is. 
attending gatherings of knowledge, reading through books of knowledge, where they explain to you what the sunnah is. So bit by bit, you start learning more and more of the sunnah. And when you learn more and more of the sunnah, then you can stick to it. Because if you don't learn it, then how are you going to stick on to something when you don't even know what it is? So it is upon every Muslim to gain knowledge, to start learning about the books and to start learning about the sunnah, to start learning about the hadith. You can start with easy books like the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi and Umdat al-Ahkam. And there are many books of hadith that are smaller and easier. And then there are bigger books of hadith that are longer and more difficult. So a person must seek knowledge of the sunnah in order to be able to then cling on to the sunnah. <coughs> and this is something that we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us to. Because every prayer you pray, every prayer in every raka'ah, do you not say, Ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem? Ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem means, guide us to the straight path, guide us to the straight path. The straight path is the path of the Quran and the Sunnah, that is the straight path. So you are making dua, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in every prayer, in every raka'ah, that He guides you to the straight path, to the path of the Quran, what Allah has revealed to us, to the path upon the Sunnah. The hadith, what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has taught us, اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ And when the author highlights these two points together at the beginning, that you cling to the Qur'an and the Sunnah and you do not do any innovation, that is to highlight to you that this religion that we are learning, this aqeedah about Islam we are going to be learning, it is all complete. Islam isn't missing any parts. Islam isn't missing any parts anywhere. Everything in the religion of Islam that a Muslim needs is there and it is complete. And Allah told us in the Qur'an, الْيَوْمَ أَكْمَلْتُ لَكُمْ دِينَكُمْ On this day, I have completed for you your religion. So the religion of Islam is complete. Everything a believer needs to know to get him closer to paradise, it's there. It just needs to be learned. You see all of those books there about Islam and Tawheed and Sunnah and Aqeedah. The Qur'an, it's all there, just needs to be learned. And everything which we've been prohibited from, all of the things that would take you closer to the hellfire, then they've all been mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. 
We've been warned against all of the evils. So the Prophet ﷺ conveyed the message in full. Everything that he needed to tell us, he told us. In one narration it mentions there is not a bird that flies in the sky with its two wings except that the messenger gave us some knowledge of it. In that narration also it mentions how some of the mushrikun, how some of the non-Muslims, they were making jokes. They were making jokes to, uh, I believe, Salman al-Farisi. Saying to him that you guys, you Muslims, your prophet, he tells you everything. He tells you everything, even how to use the toilet. He said, yes, absolutely, absolutely, yes. Even how a Muslim should use the toilet, what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to clean yourself, it is in the hadith. It is in the sunnah. He said, yes, even that, because a Muslim, his life is upon perfection with that guidance. The guidance has come with all aspects of your life. How you do everything it is mentioned. What you should say when you wake up in the morning. Which dua you should read after the prayers. What you're supposed to read before you go to sleep. Ayatul Kursi for example. Even the dua you make when wearing new clothes, when exiting from your home. Which foot you should enter the masjid with, which is your right foot and you should exit with your left foot. And when you clean yourself in the toilet after using it, you should clean yourself with your left hand. All of these details are in the hadith. They are in the sunnah because the religion is complete. Everything we need to know about all of the different affairs, then all of that is, has been given to us and it has been explained to us in that revelation of the Qur'an and in that revelation of the Sunnah. So the point being here at the beginning of this poem, at the beginning of this book, is the most important point for all of the knowledge that you learn about Islam. That any time you learn something, it's going to be from the source that is correct. The Qur'an and the Sunnah. You don't learn about Islam from random sources. Like people, they send these random messages on your phone. WhatsApp messages and other messages. And if you do this and the Prophet said this. And they don't give you any references. They don't mention where this hadith is from. Is it in Bukhari? Is it in Muslim? Where is this hadith? How do we know that this is actually from the Sunnah? How do we know that this is the guidance of the Quran? What you're telling us in this text message or WhatsApp forward going around everywhere. You don't take knowledge from random sources that are not verified. You must verify that your knowledge is coming from the true sources because if you don't that's when a person can end up misguided that is when a person goes away from the straight path and can end up misguided so if a person wants success 
Because Ibn Abi Dawud mentions here about success. He says, if you stick to the rope of Allah and you follow the guidance and you do not innovate or be an innovator, then you may be successful. Three points. Stick to the rope of Allah. Follow the guidance and stay away from innovation. That's what you must do to gain success. Those are the pillars of success mentioned by Ibn Abi Dawood here. And that is like in the Quran where it mentions these points. فَمَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ those whose weighing scales will be heavy on that day, they are the ones who will be the successful. Those whose weighing scales are heavy on that day, the good deeds and the righteous deeds that they've done, they will be the successful ones. But what is a righteous deed and what is a good deed? It must be a deed, it must be an action which is based upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. If your actions are not based upon them, there is no evidence for what you're doing, then it won't be accepted. It's like if a person comes along and Isha prayer, he says he's going to do extra worship to Allah to get more reward. And he says he's going to pray eight raka'at for Isha. Because he wants to get more reward and double his prayer. Normally Isha is four. He says I'm going to pray eight today to get more reward. So will his action be good and will he get more reward for that? No. Because praying eight is not in the Quran or the Sunnah. It is a bid'ah. He's made that up, which is not in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So there are two main things to remember about righteous actions. How is your action supposed to be righteous? How is it supposed to be a good action? Firstly, it must be based upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And secondly, sincerity. You must do the actions sincerely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't do them just to show people. You don't do them for any other reason. You do your worship upon ikhlas, upon sincerity, wanting the reward from Allah. And knowing that the angels, they write down all of your deeds. And so the good deeds that you do, they will count towards your good accountability on the day of judgment. And so perhaps that will be the means for your success on the day of judgment. So that is the opening section. The sunan, when we talk about the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, because some people they say, <coughs> Why don't we just take our knowledge from the Qur'an? Because that is from Allah, the Qur'an. Why don't we just learn all of Islam from the Qur'an? Which is the book from Allah, the speech of Allah. Why do we need the sunnah as well, what the Prophet said? The answer is, because in the Qur'an, in the Qur'an, Allah told us to follow the 
sunnah as well. So you can't just say, let's only follow the Qur'an, because that means you're not really following the Qur'an even. If you're following the Qur'an, you should therefore be following the sunnah, because the Qur'an tells you to follow the sunnah. Where? One example is where Allah tells us, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ Whatever the Prophet ﷺ teaches you, what he gives you, then take it. That is what Allah tells us in the Qur'an. What the Messenger teaches you, what he tells you, what he gives you, you take that and do it. And what he prevents you from, tells you it's wrong, then stay away from it. Allah tells us to do that in the Qur'an, tells us to follow the Messenger, because the Messenger was given revelation from Allah. And he was the one who then taught the people. So Allah commanded us to follow him. In another ayah, Let them be warned, Allah says. Let them be warned. Those who oppose his command. Oppose the command of the messenger. That some fitna may overcome them. And some of the scholars said the fitna is shirk. Or some severe punishment may overcome them. So Allah tells us, let them be warned, the ones who disobey the messenger. Let them be warned, the ones who oppose the guidance from the Prophet ﷺ. That maybe they will fall into misguidance, into shirk even. Or maybe they will be overcome by a severe punishment. In another ayah, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ Allah tells us that the Prophet does not speak from his desires. This is all in the Qur'an. Allah tells us the Prophet does not speak from his desires. He doesn't just make up what he wants to say. Rather, what the Prophet tells you, in huwa illa wahyun yuha, it is revelation that has been given to him. So when the Prophet ﷺ told us to do things and told us not to do other things, that wasn't just what he made up. It was what Allah had told him. It was revelation that had come to him. One of the Salaf they mentioned. كَانَ جِبْرِيلُ يَنْزِلُ عَلَى النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم بِالسُنَّةِ كَمَا يَنْزِلُ عَلَيْهِ بِالْقُرْآنِ That Jibreel used to descend upon the Prophet to teach him the Sunnah, just as he used to come to give him the Qur'an. So all of these evidences tell us to follow the Messenger, to follow the Hadith, to follow the Sunnah. In another ayah, مَنْ يُطِعِ الرَّسُولَ فَقَدْ أَطَاعَ اللَّهِ Allah tells us in another part of the Qur'an, whoever follows the messenger, then he has obeyed Allah. Whoever obeys the messenger, then he has obeyed Allah. How have you obeyed Allah by obeying the messenger? Because who told you to obey the messenger? Allah. So if you obey the messenger, it means you have obeyed Allah. Whoever obeys the messenger, then he has obeyed Allah. 
in another ayah wa ati'ur rasul la'allakum turhamun and obey the messenger so that you may be shown mercy obey the messenger to have mercy upon you and in another ayah wa anzalna ilayka dhikra litubayyina linnas ma nuzzila ilayhim that we have revealed upon you adhikra so that you may clarify to the people what has been revealed to them so who is the one clarifying and explaining to the people about the quran and about the religion the messenger the prophet so it's not just about the quran by itself it's the quran and the sunnah and the hadith all of it together and it has to be because not all of the religion and every detail about the religion is in the Quran. Some parts are not in the Quran, they are in the Sunnah. That's why you have to have both of them together to understand all of the religion. For example, in the Quran, does it tell you to pray? Yes. We know that when you pray, Fajr is, two raka'at, Dhuhr is, Four Asr is, four Maghrib is, three Isha is, four. In the Quran, it commands you to pray. But does it tell you in the Quran how many you're supposed to pray for Fajr? Or how many you're supposed to pray for Dhuhr and Asr and Maghrib and Isha? Those details aren't actually in the Quran. The Quran just tells you about the prayer and that you have to pray. How are you going to work out how you're supposed to pray? Because the Quran doesn't give you all those details. Doesn't tell you about all of the parts and how you're supposed to do it all. It just tells you about the prayer generally and commands you to pray. So how are you going to work out how to pray then? By learning it from the sunnah. It's in the hadith. The Prophet explained it in the hadith how to pray and explained that Fajr you pray it two raka'at and Dhuhr you pray it four and Maghrib you pray it three read loud in the first two and quiet in the third one all these details the Prophet gave them to us in the Sunnah all of those details are not in the Quran so that's why the Quran and the Sunnah, they go together. You have details in the Quran, but then some other parts are not there. Those other details are in the Sunnah. So together, when you read the Quran and the Sunnah, you get the final understanding of the details. It's like <coughs> performing Umrah. When you go to do Umrah or you go to do Hajj, and you do the tawaf around the Kaaba. Does it tell us about Umrah and Hajj generally in the Quran, about tawaf and sa'i generally in the Quran? Yes. And you know when you go, you have to go around the Kaaba tawaf. But how many times are you supposed to go around the Kaaba? Seven. Does it tell you in the Quran though to do that? It doesn't. It doesn't tell you in the Quran that you need to go around seven times so how do we work out how many times we're supposed to go around it how do we know it's seven then because the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam explained that in the 
Sunnah. The messenger explained that part in the Sunnah. So you see, a person cannot come along and say, let's just learn the religion and Islam from the Quran. Forget about the Sunnah, we'll just learn it all from the Quran. You can't do that. Because there are some details which are not in the Quran, they are in the Sunnah. So the only way you can learn your religion properly and completely is with the Quran and the Sunnah together. And both of them are revelation, it is not just one or the other. And there are warnings. The Prophet ﷺ gave us warnings. A warning against people who refuse to accept the sunnah. So there are narrations where the Prophet ﷺ warned us against the ones who refuse to accept the sunnah. And they say, we'll just learn from the Qur'an. That is not sufficient. In the Qur'an, Allah has told us that there is two parts. There are two parts. Quran and Sunnah. For example, in the ayah, وَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ Allah revealed upon you. In the Quran, Allah tells us, He revealed upon you the book, which is the Quran, and the hikmah, the wisdom they may say in English, but the hikmah means the sunnah. That Allah revealed the Qur'an and the Sunnah. In another ayah, Allah says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam يُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ وَالْحِكْمَةِ That he teaches them, or that Allah teaches them, and the Messenger teaches us the Kitab, the Qur'an, and the Hikmah, the Sunnah. So both of those go hand in hand together. And you cannot abandon the Qur'an or the Sunnah. You cannot only take one and leave the other. Both are learned together. That's why it's important to start memorizing the Qur'an, learning it bit by bit every day. And also to start learning some hadith. And this is what we're going to do in these lessons. We're going to be talking about the hadith the different hadith that talk about the points of aqidah. There is also something known as al-ijma' which is an agreement of all of the scholars. A scholar is a person of knowledge regarding the religion. That's what we mean about the scholars. And there are many scholars past and present. And on some issues, they have an ijma', meaning a consensus and an agreement. A consensus and an agreement on certain issues. So, if you follow the Qur'an and you follow the Sunnah, Ibn Abi Dawood says, Tanju wa tarbahu. Then you'll be saved. You'll be saved. When will you be saved? Where? On the day of judgment. If you follow the Quran and the Sunnah, then on that day you will be saved because of that. But the people who don't follow what's in the Quran and the Sunnah, they don't pray like you're supposed to pray. They don't even pray maybe 
They don't do other things which you're supposed to do as a Muslim. They don't bother learning what's in the Quran, what's in the Sunnah. Then on that day, they are the ones who are going to have difficulty being saved from the hellfire. So he says, if you wish to be saved and you wish to profit, to be saved and to have success, then this is the simple method. Stick to the Quran and the teachings of the Quran. Stick to the Hadith and the Sunnah, the authentic narrations, of course, and follow their guidance. And that will be the means of your salvation. And this is what all of the scholars have ever said. Al-Imam Shafi'i said, إِذَا خَالَفَ قَوْلِي قَوْلَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَخُذُوا بِقَوْلِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ وَاضْرِبُوا بِقَوْلِ عُرْضَ الْحَائِطِ Al-Imam Shafi'i said, if my statement goes against the statement of the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم, then take the statement of the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم and throw my statement against the wall. Get rid of what I said. Follow what the Messenger has taught you if I say something against what the Messenger said. Al-Imam Malik, he said, كُلُّنَا رَادٌ وَمَرْدُودٌ عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا صَاحِبَ هَذَا الْقَبْرِ Al-Imam Malik said, all of us, we can refute other people and we can be refuted. Except for the one in this grave. Talking about the Prophet ﷺ because he was teaching in Al-Masjid al-Nabawi. He said, all of us, we can be right and we can be wrong. We can refute and we can be refuted. Sometimes we may make a mistake and get something wrong. And sometimes we might be right and somebody else might be the one making the mistake getting something wrong. Except for the Prophet ﷺ because everything he taught us is correct. Because all of that is the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, he said, In jaa al-hadithu an Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fa'ala ra'si wal'ayn. وَإِذَا جَاءَ الْحَدِيثُ عَنْ أَصْحَابِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم فَعَلَى رَأْسِ وَالْعَيْنِ وَإِذَا جَاءَ الْحَدِيثُ عَنْ التَّابِعِينَ فَهُمْ رِجَالٌ وَنَحْنُ رِجَالٌ Imam Abu Hanifa said, if a narration comes from the Messenger وسلم, a hadith comes from the Messenger that the Prophet said this or that, then we absolutely accept that. عَلَى رَأْسُ الْعَيْنِ in Arabic meaning we absolutely submit to that and accept it. And if a narration comes from the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, then we absolutely accept it. And if a narration comes from the Tabi'een, then they are men and we are men. And he was saying that because he was in that generation himself. He was in that generation himself, Imam Abu Hanifa. So he said, as for the Tabi'een, then we are all similar. We are all men because he was in that same generation. For us now, we can say even the Tabi'een, the three generations, that is the Salaf overall. We take from the Salaf and that is the three generations overall. Al-Imam Ahmed, he said, عَجِبْتُ لِقَوْمٍ عَرَفُوا الْإِسْنَادَ وَصِحَّتَهُ يَذْهَبُونَ لِرَأِي سُفْيَانِ Al-Imam Ahmed said, I am amazed at people who know the chain of narration, meaning they know the hadith and that it's true. But instead, they say, no, we're taking the opinion of Sufyan or, or, or taking the opinion of this person or that person. Like people do now. You tell them, look, this is a hadith, it's in Bukhari, and the Prophet said this, and the scholars have said this. And he says, no, I'm just going to follow my imam. My imam said, you can't do that. 
That's not how religion is. That's not how Islam is. When the knowledge comes and the truth comes and the evidence comes, then a person must follow it. So that is the key to everything you learn. Everything we learn has to be upon that basis. Remember that for everything you learn in your lives. It has to be about the Quran and the Sunnah. Any Islamic knowledge that you learn, those are the two sources, the Quran and the Sunnah with the understanding of the Salaf of this Ummah. So now when we do the rest of the book, and like I said, there are going to be different topics. And each topic, Al-Imam Ibn Abi Dawood is going to tell you what the correct belief of a Muslim should be about that topic. And how is he going to work out what the correct belief is? Where is he going to get that knowledge from? From the Quran and the Sunnah. What we've been told is the correct belief about that topic. So the first topic which we're going to start next week is going to be the topic of the Quran. What do we believe about the Quran? What should we know about the Quran? Everybody knows the Quran, everybody learns it, reads it, but what are the things, the most important things that a Muslim should know about the Quran? That's where we're going to start from next week, and there are a few important points maybe some people never heard of. So we'll discuss those uh, from the next lesson next week after Isha prayer, Isha 7.30, and then we'll begin after the Isha prayer next Thursday evening, inshaAllah ta'ala. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم. Any question or anything? In that case, we'll resume next week then. Salam alaikum.